It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Take-Two Healthcare. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 957-WHIO. Dayton's news and talk. And a very good morning out there, everybody. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer, your guest host for this weekend. And it is a good-looking Saturday out there in the Miami Valley today. We have a great show lined up for you. want to give you a little heads up about what is coming up, just to start. And if you've never heard me before, I'm Dr. Andrew Dyer. I'm a doctor of chiropractic, just like all my colleagues at Take-Two Healthcare, a clinic started by Dr. Merkel way back in the 1980s. And I've been with them now for 16 years, just started my 16th year with the practice uh, and always been right here in the Miami Valley. It's been great and wanted to share some uh, thoughts and comments from some Facebook input I received this morning on a post that I put up to um, just promo the show. I was asking for some comments and questions and we did get a few of those and we'll, we'll address those here as we get rolling. But just to kind of start out, if you've never heard our show before, we are all about health we are doctors of chiropractic. I also have a couple other degrees, one in chiropractic acupuncture as well as in uh, clinical chiropractic nutrition. And so those are the specialties that I use with all patients that I see, whether they come originally for chiropractic care or acupuncture or for our clinical nutrition services. Uh, we can do any or all three of those things, whatever is best uh, for each patient that we take care of. And in doing so, we stay up on the research we stay up to date on the latest postings from uh, CDC, Healthline, WHO. There's all sorts of different resources out there. We, we read many more than just those couple, but there was a great post that Dr. Yaley put up a few days ago on our Facebook page, and it has to do with vitamin D levels related to covid And Of course, I'm sure by now many of you are sick and tired of hearing about COVID, but it hasn't gone away yet. And part of the reason for that is we're not all doing the right thing. And that, that can be interpreted on a number of different levels. But one way that we can really keep ourselves healthier is to make sure that we have proper vitamin D status in our blood. And the way to do that is to supplement. Because we will not, we will not get enough vitamin D just from our food and just from sunshine. Now, we're rolling into a season and time of year in Dayton, Ohio, where we're not going to see a lot more sunshine. We will get it on days, but at, in the winter months, we tend to be more gray here. The sun is farther away. We don't see it for as long. It's dark when we wake up. It's dark when we come home from work. That's not all gloom and doom. That's just saying we're not going to get a lot of vitamin D exposure from sunshine. Even in our summer months, we get just a negligible amount of vitamin D from sunshine. Here's why. They measure vitamin D intake 
Naked at the equator. Naked at the equator is how and where they measure vitamin D intake from the sun. Last time I checked, we're located real far from the equator here in Dayton, Ohio. And those of you even listening around the country, we've treated patients in Florida and California, even Alaska and Hawaii. Okay, Alaska is not real sunny, but Hawaii, California, Florida. And they still are not optimal in vitamin D unless they're going and rolling on a supplement. Now, here were some comments underneath the article Dr. Yaley posted on our Facebook page. And she said, or she didn't say, but some of the readers and and Uh, observers on that post said they were all set because their primary care physician had them covered. He was giving them 50,000 units per week. And I'm going to tell you why that might not be the best solution. Here's why. First of all, when you give 50,000 IUs per week, you give it in a form called D2, which is actually a very poorly absorbed form for the human body. So we really need D3. D3 is the optimal absorbed form. We get ours from Douglas Labs, uh, supplement maker, and theirs is sourced from four different fish. Skipjack, liver oil, tuna, mackerel, salmon, herring. So I guess that's five different fish. But we do get vitamin D3 specifically from that dietary supplement. And we give it in a a measurement of 5,000 international units. Now, there's a movement afoot in the nutritional community, and, and some of us have converted over already, and some of us are still doing so, that international units is a confusing measurement for people. People know milligrams, they know micrograms, and that's how most other vitamins are measured. But many of the fat-soluble nutrients had been measured in international units. And so, and, and this is important because this post, people are going back and forth saying, well, how much do you take? And one lady says, well, I take 8,000 milligrams. And one lady says, well, I take 50,000 milligrams. And quite honestly, it's in international units at this time period. We're moving to converting it to milligrams, but for now it's measured in international units. And 5,000, even up to 10,000 international units is a proper dosage for a 150 pound adult or heavier. But here's the other key. If we never test your blood scores, how are we gonna know how much you really need? And if you've already been supplementing for years on 5,000 international units, maybe that's helping you. Maybe it isn't, but we need to take a look. We need to know the numbers because vitamin D is a fat-soluble nutrient. Here's why you don't want to give 50,000 IUs all at one time. I liken it to putting a sponge at the bottom of the sink and then turning on the water faucet full blast. If you do it like that, a lot of the water is going to run over the top of the sponge. It won't be absorbed, and it's going to run down the drain. So, same with vitamin D, a fat-soluble nutrient. We give small, little, incremental doses. Now, 5,000 IUs is actually a pretty good dose, not that small, but considerably smaller than the 50,000 one time a week. 5,000 IUs one time a day, even a little bit more than that, and we give it to the body slowly. Why? Because fat-soluble nutrients are a little bit more difficult to digest and absorb. They need certain cofactors. They need calcium. They need, well, in this case, vitamin D does. It needs calcium, needs magnesium. Even a little vitamin K can be helpful in helping to get vitamin D3 to the right cellular uh, structure in the body. But vitamin K is another fat-soluble nutrient, and we really don't ever give that one as a recommended nutrient either until we test blood levels. So we test vitamin K in the blood, give vitamin K recommendations if needed, but I can get most of my patients back to optimal on vitamin D3 
without ever really knowing what their K status is because we don't need very much K and K is found in one of our multiple vitamins that we use anyway, just a small dose. So that piece is important as we face this, if you want to believe this second wave that's coming of COVID, we face that and we can all do our part by optimizing our vitamin D status. Whether we're going to be able to go out and get sunshine or not, we still need to supplement with that nutrient. Okay, back to the Facebook post I put up this morning because we had a couple comments there and people want to know some answers to things. And we have a first comment uh, from a listener and follower. And she says, I have a three-year-old who constantly gets impetigo around his mouth. Now, she put that in quotes, so I don't know if she's gotten that firmly diagnosed or not, but I imagine she did because there's um, she also included a picture of a particular um, antibiotic cream or ointment that they gave her to, to treat her child with. But she says, I have five kids. None of my other kids have ever had it, and they share cups and everything. This little three-year-old, uh, takes he takes vitamin D, vitamin C, animal parade multivitamin, which is very good. We carry that one too, and papaya prebiotic. I've tried to get him to take loracetin, but I can't get him to take it. Is there anything you suggest to help him with this? The only thing that has helped is this cream. I hate using it, but if I don't do it, when he has a breakout, it just gets worse and worse. Okay, great comment, great question. We're going to address it now and probably again even after the break because I won't get it all the way through. But here's what I would suggest. Keep working on getting that loracetin in him. Now, I know on the back of the bottle for loracetin, it says don't chew because it does taste soapy if you chew it. And for little ones, it is it is a little bit more challenging because the, the granules are small on loracetin. Now, we would think that would be easier, but sometimes they just they just struggle to get that one down. Now, here's how you could do it. If you're using applesauce as a food or you're serving uh, mashed up avocados like in a form of guacamole or, or even salsas or anything that's... Um, kind of got a little bit more of a liquid texture to the food. You could put a few granules of loracetin in there. Ideally, for this little three-year-old, if we were able to get him one scoop of loracetin daily, that would go a long way in helping fight off these impetigo outbreaks. Now, I had to do, I, I must admit, I had to do a little refreshing this morning on impetigo. I remembered that it was lesions around the mouth, but I didn't remember the causative agent. And that is usually a group A strep bacteria or even Staph aureus. Now, I got to tell you this. When I was a senior in college, I did my research on garlic. I literally used garlic, cloves, and put them through a garlic press and impregnated discs that I could kill bacteria with. I, I enjoyed microbiology, and so I chose to study these microbiology reactions in the lab for my senior thesis at, at Carroll College. And my advisor didn't like me very well because I was four floors below him, and he knew every time I was in there pressing garlic, he could smell it in his office. But we got some great results. And with that garlic, we were able to kill. I was able to kill. Well, I didn't kill it. The garlic killed it. But I was able to organize a study so that we could document how well garlic killed certain strains of bacteria. And Staph aureus was actually one of the strains of bacteria that we were able to kill. Now, for three-year-old kids, I don't know how many of them are going to be willing to eat garlic, and, and that's okay if they're not willing to eat garlic, but you can get garlic in a capsule form. We have it at the clinic. It comes in 500 milligram tablets, and I would recommend either one or two of these daily, even for this little one, even for this three-year-old, during impetigo outbreaks. And the reason I'm recommending garlic is 
it will actually help kill the bugs or the bacteria in this case that are causing this impetigo outbreak. Now, certainly there are some antibiotic creams and ointments that can be helpful, but we also have to look and see in this three-year-old, what's causing these recurring infections? If none of his other four siblings have it, what's going on in him that's allowing him to get sick? And there are different people, of course, that have different strains of bacteria in their normal biome, we'll say. And so I would think, too, about working on his gut. Maybe he drinks far too much milk or dairy. Maybe he drinks far too much soy. Maybe he takes in far too much sugar. If those are the, and what three-year-old doesn't, okay? But how can we make a few little healthy tweaks to his diet to help keep him on the right level there without these outbreaks continually reoccurring? So garlic, 500 to 1,000 milligrams daily would be highly beneficial. I think vitamin D status for him should be around 2,000 to 2,500 IUs. That's about half the adult dose, and that can be used every day. And then loracetin, even if we we're able to get a scoop in somehow in his food every day, I think that would go a long way in, in squashing these outbreaks. But some of these higher doses of things can be used just during the time of the outbreak and then back to the regular maintenance stuff when there is no outbreak. That music means I've got to take a break. We'll be back on the other side. You've been listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer this morning on AM 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Get- All right. Good morning, everybody. We are back. This is Dr. Dyer again speaking with you loud and clear from my home office this morning. And we have another Facebook comment that our listener or our follower wanted to know the following. She says, you've probably already covered this. But maybe go over it again. We know pretty much what to do to keep the immune system strong. But what if someone already has COVID symptoms? Should they pretty much do the same thing and then double up? Or should they consider additional things? Read somewhere about gargling with peroxide. I realize realize if you keep your immune system strong, it's unlikely to have that happen. Uh, But some people in your audience may not be in that situation. Just a thought. Thanks, Doc. Okay, thank you for that question and comment. We will cover it right now. So we had, and and I actually was on the website this morning. I couldn't find it again, but I'm going to talk with our web guys on Monday and have them put it back up. But we had a protocol on our website, not as a treatment for COVID, but what to do to keep your system strong. That's a key point. We, we don't treat viruses like COVID, but we can do a lot of things to make the body mount a better response to that viral invader. And here are some of the things that we had on that list. Certainly, as we've been talking about early on in the program today, vitamin D3. 5,000 to even 10,000 IUs per day is a very good loading or, or maintenance dose even. Now, if someone has infection, which I took a phone call from one of our staff members as I was driving home the other day, and she said, uh, here's one of your patients. She's been in um, institutionalized just briefly for rehab from COVID-related infection, and she wants to know what she can do to get healthy. Uh, okay, so here we go. This is what I gave her. I actually, And I know the patient's body weight, and I remembered some of her test findings. I also know some of her clinical background, so it was very simple for me to, to rattle off some of these uh, things to do. And what that looked like or what that sounded like for her were the following things. I actually recommended she take 20,000 IUs of vitamin D3 for about 7 to 10 days, kind of get her jump started a little bit. 
Uh, I also recommend about three to four scoops of lorisidin. Now we could have used things like RM10 from Garden of Life. It's a potent immune builder, um, a mushroom extract. I didn't recommend that in this case, but curcumin complex. And I remember that one being on our, our protocol that we had on the website, which, which hopefully Monday we'll get back up there again. But curcumin complex has over 200 active ingredients that are still currently being studied in, in clinical research settings to really figure out how and why they work so well. But even while we already know there's five or 10 of those 200 that we have a great understanding of how and why they work, so, so we're using it. And curcumin complex has such a beneficial effect in COVID-like infections because of its ability to battle inflammation. And that's what leads to some of these, I read a few articles here recently on cytokine storm, and that's some of the, what they uh, propose is why some people, even with strong immune systems, have a typically, or, or have had some very violent responses to the, the coronavirus, because their immune system was so strong, it actually started overproducing against against some of this infection. And that was called cytokine storm. Now, if we're able to combat the inflammatory effects there by using curcumin complex, which we are due to have back in stock next week for all those listeners who've been trying to get it the last few weeks. Uh, just another thing that COVID's put a little monkey wrench in is our shipping process. But we will have curcumin complex back in stock. And it is something that average adult patient can, can take up to six or eight of those tablets daily. When there is no infection present, when there is infection present, like this uh, patient that I was talking to a staff member on the phone about, we're, we're going to give her maybe 12 to 15 curcumin complex tablets per day to combat that inflammation. And, and I remember the patient I was discussing does have some comorbidities. She's, she's too heavy, and, and she knows that. She's working on it. She's made some great strides over the last few years, um, but she still has a ways to go. And so it's particularly important for her to continue to work to keep her body and get her body healthier so that she can fight, fight right on through this infection. Uh, but certainly curcumin complex is a highly potent form. So that's curcumin, ginger, turmeric. Uh, curcumin and turmeric are close cousins, if, if not uh, close siblings, I would say, in the um, herbal community. But those nutrients are so strong in battling inflammation. Now, there's a, another great article that I came across in show prep today that's written by a great uh, chiropractic nutritionist, Dr. David Seaman. He's, he's excellent. I've taken some of his seminars in the past, and he's, he's got a great delivery method, and he's also a really, really smart guy. Clinically, he's brilliant, and from a research and biochemistry understanding, he's, he's brilliant as well. But in this article, he talks about how do we enhance the body's resilience, in terms of if we know this virus is floating around out there, just like we do in regular seasons with cold and flu and, and whatever the, the virus of the day is, we can always do something more to keep our bodies healthy. It's just like if you want to become a great chess player or a great golfer, a great tennis player, whatever your sport or passion or hobby is, just like with health, you have to work at it. It doesn't just come because you have this lucky span of genetics that keeps you healthy. Okay, some people are more fortunate than others there, but you have to really work at it. And, and us included, I, I was talking to Dr. Yaley yesterday in our office about the things that we do each day to, to try to keep ourselves healthy. And of course, she has three little kids at home, and, and my wife and I, we don't have kids at our house. So 
uh, we don't have kids at all, but uh, we have a different set of expectations of what each day needs to be like from a what do you have to do to stay healthy. And because when you're around little kids, they're always bringing stuff to you. But the bottom line is if you keep yourself healthy, you're going to battle right on through most of that. That music means we need to take another break. We'll be back on the other side. You've been listening to Dr. Andrew Dyer on Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living on AM 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home in the Miami Valley. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290-957 WHIO. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Hey, and a good morning, everybody. Back into our live program. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer. Thank you for joining us today. If you've never heard our show before, we are doctors of chiropractic. There are four of us in the practice. Dr. Van Merkel founded the clinic uh, back in the 80s, and I joined in 2005. And Dr. Yaley joined a couple years after that, and then Dr. Ashley Marchek a few years after that. So there's four of us in active practice right here in the Miami Valley. And the way you find us online is to go to our website at Take. So T-A-K-E, the number two, and then the word healthcare. So take2healthcare.com is our website, um, filled with great information about our nutrition, chiropractic, acupuncture, and thermography offerings that we have within our clinic. Um, We have a great staff, too, that can help you out, get you scheduled, answer your questions, take you through all different uh, pricing options and questions that you might have. But our staff is wonderful, and we really appreciate the hard work they put in, even during this time. They've really stepped up and, and been dramatically wonderful for us and, and for the patients that we serve. Back into the article from Dr. Seaman, I, I really I really enjoy Dr. Seaman's presentation style. And, and when I read this article this morning, I thought, I've got to share this with the listeners out there. And this was actually published several months ago at the very beginning of, of our COVID time. But he says, the news media tends to transmit a coronavirus message that is not properly contextualized. Let's say, for example, that the full extent of being infected with the coronavirus meant you fell sick for three days and then recovered without ill effect. Even if everyone got infected, it would only be a minor three-day inconvenience. We know this is not the outcome scenario for the coronavirus. However, the pandemic message we are exposed to leads people to assume the coronavirus is as deadly as the bubonic plague. In fact, most people recover from the coronavirus without ill effect. With the above in mind, people should know and understand who is at risk for complications when infected by the coronavirus, or any virus for that matter. Knowing this gives one a locus of control, no matter if our society is overreacting or properly reacting. Not surprisingly, older adults are at greater risk of dying from the coronavirus, which is the same for the flu and other viral infections. It is important to understand which old people are at greater risk. Okay, so he's going to go on to explain the inflamed state, something I was just talking about before and why we recommend curcumin complex. Um, But here we go. He says he recently went into a local Walgreens and noticed many older people buying various items. 
Many of these people were clearly unhealthy. They were old, obese, buying cigarettes, soda, and ice cream, and moving at an exceptionally slow pace. In other words, these people were in their mid to late 70s or older and were obese, diabetic, hypertensive, and had respiratory and cardiovascular disease. Frankly, many of these people looked as if they were dying. This is called pro-inflammaging. And he says in his article, I did not make this term up. If you Google inflammaging, multiple legitimate scientific papers will appear. He says he's been following this inflammaging research since about 2005. And the earliest paper that he read on the topic was published in the year 2000. So for two decades, we've known about this. How and why are we just hearing about it now? In short, we can either anti-inflammage or pro-inflammage. The latter being associated with far worse health prospects after an injurious or infectious event. To be clear, people who are pro-inflammaging are those at the greatest risk for dying from chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. And these are the same people who are at the greatest risk of dying from a viral infection. He says he saw, he sees far more 70-year-old pro-inflammagers on airplanes uh, than I witnessed walking around at the Honda Classic PGA Golf Tournament he went to in February before shutdown happened. This is because pro-inflammagers avoid physical activity because it's too stressful for them, which means it adds to their flame. Imagine being so inflamed that normal physical activities make you feel unwell. That's, that's pretty pretty bad state for your body to be in. These are the people who are more likely to develop complications or die from a viral infection, which is known to be caused by what is called cytokine storm. This is what I wanted to share with you, so listen closely if you haven't heard this term before. Cytokines are proteins released in... Sorry, I just moved my mouse. There we go. Cytokines are proteins released in excess by immune cells during an immune challenge. The majority of cytokines are pro-inflammatory, the most well-known being interleukin-1, interleukin-6, interleukin-17, and TNF, also known as tumor necrosis factor. Okay, give me a second. I have to page forward here. Notably, IL-6 is the key cytokine that drives up high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. Now, we test C-reactive protein on every new patient we see. Why? Because we have to know if they're inflamed or not. If they're inflamed, we need to do something about it. If they're not, well, we're still going to do some preventative things for them. So an inexpensive way to screen for excess cytokines is to measure C-reactive protein, which should be at a level of one or less. Clinically, the medical range says you can be up to 10 or more. Um, but in our case, we want that number to be as low as possible. Our healthy range now is below 6.7. Uh, as high CRP levels climb above 1, this means the body is becoming incrementally more inflamed. The average CRP level in middle-aged Americans, age 30 to 60, is 1.5 milligrams per liter. So a CRP level between 1 and 3 means you would be mildly to moderately inflamed. A full 25% of the total U.S. population has a CRP level greater than 3, which means almost 82 million 
are more than moderately inflamed and at greater risk for developing all chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, or already, excuse me, or already suffering with one or more of these diseases. These same quote-unquote flamers are also at a much greater risk for developing severe complications or death from any bacterial or viral infection. Now, why does inflammation matter so much for COVID-19 and other viruses? Few people have the above information in mind when they ask about what they can do to protect themselves against viral infections. Even worse, most people do not properly contextualize what it means to be quote-unquote protected against a viral infection. The key is to have a deflamed immune system, which means our immune cells are not pumping out an excess of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Remember, those proteins that come about in response to inflammation and infection. In a deflamed state, the immune system has the capacity to properly regulate the release of both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines in order to maintain balance. In contrast, when we have an inflamed immune system with CRP levels above three, immune cells are pumping out pro-inflammatory cytokines well above normal levels, which can develop into a cytokine storm when exposed to COVID-19 or any other virus. Now, how do we boost the body's resilience? Well, we've talked about a lot of that today, but we're gonna go in and see if Dr. Seaman has any other ideas for us. He says, boosting your body's resilience, here are some simple steps. So the first thing one can do is honestly look at themselves. Are you one of the 70% of Americans who is either obese or overweight? If you are, you are mildly, moderately, or highly inflamed. In this case, the first step to make your body more resilient is to eliminate refined sugar, flour, and oil calories from the diet. Eat only whole foods at a, at a caloric level to promote body fat loss. This need not be a starvation diet, as most people can readily drop body fat if they, ate, if they eat 1,200 to 2,000 calories per day. If you eat large amounts of vegetation with your meat, fish, chicken, or whatever you like, you can drop your caloric intake down into the weight and fat loss range and not feel annoyed by hunger pangs. A lot of times the first uh, issue to take care of some of those hunger pangs is to hydrate yourself properly too. So the first day uh, one begins to deflame their diet, as I call it, there's a down tick of inflammation, which continues so long as one continues to eat a whole food diet restricted in calories. The improvement in inflammation can be quite dramatic. It will likely take the rest of this year and perhaps into 2021 before we are clear of the coronavirus situation. So if people normalize their inflammatory state in five months or less, they can substantially improve their resiliency during the remainder of this current viral crisis. In addition to a whole food diet that is adequate, excuse me, adequately restricted in calories, People need to increase physical activities to a toleration level and preferably do this outdoors in the sun and fresh air. Doing so will add to the inflammation reduction that occurs along the same lines as that caloric restriction is going to accomplish and as exercise is well known to reduce inflammation. Maintaining a healthy mental outlook is also important and he goes on to address a couple of other things, supplements included. But the long and short of it is, 
we have to understand what it is that we're doing that's putting us in this position in the first place. Um, and he goes on to talk about the vitamin D intake that I've already already given to you today. But in coming back to, again, things that I try to talk about each time I get the opportunity to host this show is we have to take the personal responsibility on, on ourselves. I mean, obviously, that's what personal responsibility is. But we have to look within ourselves and say, what am I doing well and what could I be doing better and what is it I'm doing that's taking me further from reaching my goals? And if you can honestly and objectively answer those questions, or maybe you need help answering those questions. Certainly, we're going to say, like we always do, you need testing. Because it's with the testing that we're able to cut through the guesswork. As Dr. Margot used to always say, his crystal ball doesn't work very well. That's why he tests. And I love that line because the same applies from from my perspective i I can't see inside a patient's body unless we take a blood sample that is our window inside to see how healthy or not so healthy they are now of course with with blood testing you have to order the right tests and you have to order a thorough enough panel to be able to really see nothing irritates me more than having a patient come in and say, well, I just had a great physical exam done with my medical doctor. They did 10 blood markers. Okay, well, that's a start, I tell them. That's a start. But on our one blood panel, for about $300 for a blood test cost alone, we can see 54 different markers inside your system. 54 things. That's amazing. We're going to talk about more of that on the other side of the break. But you're listening here to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM1290, hosting Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living. We'll be back after this. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Hey, we are back. Thank you very much. Dr. Andrew Dyer again with you just to close out the program here over the next few minutes. If you caught any of the program before mine, uh, Rick Edelman was talking about not being objective when he was basically saying, come and talk to me or us in our office and see if you like what we have to say. When he And he's a financial manager, financial planner. And, and I guess the same could be said for me. I, I'm not objective in the fact that I, I know that what we do works. I know it helps people and I love doing it. I've been doing it for 16 years and hopefully do it for a lot longer than that. But the only thing we're not objective about is knowing and, and telling you that what we do works. But we are completely ad- objective when it comes to testing and then the analysis of those tests. Because I have no vested interest in the outcome of the examination or evaluation. I, I don't care what your glucose level is in terms of, I, I absolutely care about it from a clinical standpoint, but it's not going to affect my bottom line if your glucose number is not very good but I can tell you some of the things you can do to make it better. And so those, I think, are the important factors to consider when you're evaluating who could help you from a clinical nutrition standpoint. Um, just like we saw on, on some early phase, you know, when doctors dabble into recommending nutrients, it's, it's okay if they do it properly, but it's not so good for their patients if they don't do it properly. And I see it time and time again, the problem isn't that they don't know what to do. They, they actually just haven't been exposed to the information for very long in their training. They have so many hours they need to focus and spend on the techniques they use more readily that 
I kind of liken it to if somebody came into my office and then asked me if they they asked for my opinion on whether their car needed new tires or whether they needed to go get an oil change, I, I don't know those things. And I would tell them, well, I don't know, but I can send you over to some guys that might know. And And honestly, when the patients are asking their medical doctor questions about vitamin intake, I kind of wish that was the way they would respond is, well, I'm not sure, but I know some guys that can help you. And that would be ideal because we have spent hours. I have a 300-hour postgraduate degree in clinical nutrition. That is 100 times more hours spent studying nutrition than the average medical doctor in this country. And and I have wonderful friends that are medical doctors, and I, I don't mean to attack them. I'm just saying they don't study that stuff. So if you're looking at objectively evaluating your health from a vitamin and mineral standpoint and really looking at what it is your body needs, wouldn't you want to come to an expert? They are experts in far other things, and as are we. And so I think really getting to the right people uh, has a has a huge impact on how well you're going to do from battling through any condition, whether it's COVID or cancer, diabetes, anemia. We take care of all these type of patients, and, and I'm not saying we treat these things. We don't treat cancer. We don't treat COVID-19, but we can help a body get healthier because when your body's not healthy, you need a health expert. You don't need an expert in disease. And so that's really what we do when we test. We test with blood tests. We use hair tests, urine challenges, stool testing. We, we do so many different things to really give us a clear view on what's going on in the body at any given time. And that is why I believe we are more successful in our patient outcomes is if we test thoroughly. And so uh, I wanted to kind of just circle back to something I talked about a few weeks ago when I hosted the show last, and that was a case study from our website, or excuse me, is now on our website, and it's about ovarian cancer. Now, I noticed when I was looking today, there's a typo in the header, and we'll fix that on Monday. Um, But the case is uh, metastatic ovarian cancer, and I'm I'm pulling it up here on the website. Give me just a moment. Um, So if you click on to Take-Two Healthcare, and then you come over to the fourth tab over Uh, called the About tab, slide down to Case Studies. From there, you'll find it. But it is posted uh, about, you know, in alphabetical order. So you got to get to the O section. And it's written there. uh, Actually, it's under M because we put metastatic in front of it, which is true. Metastatic ovarian cancer stage 3 is the case. And I talked about that several weeks ago. But I wanted those of you to know that if you heard that show and... Uh, really wanted to go back and refresh on the details of that case, uh, it is here, and you can read about it right from our website. Um, And the write-up is pretty thorough, complete with the laboratory assessment, um, the specific measurements of um, how much weight was lost during this time, tumor size, all, all those things are listed objectively right there in front of you, so you can read about the case and uh, read about the um, outcomes that we got for this patient. And there's far more case studies than just that one. I just wanted people to be aware that that was the case I was talking about the the last time. So if you're looking to kind of just figure out if our clinic fits for you, um, certainly spending some time on our website is a great resource, Uh, calling the clinic if you have questions, and also using our Facebook page to kind of follow along with some things we post. We have a big event coming up, and and of course during COVID times it's, it looks a bit different. But on December 11th is our uh, health fair, our winter health fair, and so we're not able to 
take lots of extra people in the office that day, um, but we will still be doing our vitamin sale, um, selling testing and things that day for um, established patients and, and welcoming some new patients that day, not to be seen that with future appointments. So more details about our food drive and health fair is, are right on the landing page for our website. And we really uh, want to encourage you to bring donations because we share those with uh, some of the area organizations, um, notably Agape for Youth. So they are our partner for this event and they benefit by your donations. So wanted to thank you all for listening to me today. I'm Dr. Andrew Dyer. And again, remember, when you're out there, be kind. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. WHIO Dayton, WHIO FM, Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station. Powered by Back to Business IT. Take care of your business. We'll take care of your IT. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.